This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. My name is uh, Steve, uh, I'm, I'm one of the elders of God First, if I've not met you yet. I've self-styled myself for quite a while actually as the younger elder, uh, but this is in fact the first time that I'm preaching that I'm older than Jesus was when he died. And for a long time in my life I've explained the lack of fruit by the fact that Jesus didn't start till around 33, 30, 33. So now what I'm focusing on is the fact that Moses' public ministry didn't begin until he was 80, so there's still some years uh, to go. Like Moses, I have, uh, have some problems with public speaking. Moses's was that he stutters. I speak quite fast. I do speak fast in real life as well, so it's not like I'm putting it on. I'll try and slow down. Uh, but if I don't, then uh, this will be over quickly. So, uh, so if, uh, if, you're, if you're new or if you're joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, uh, we're in a series uh, called, Pray, called Uprising, in fact, Praying with Paul, uh, where we're looking through the, the Pauline letters in the New Testament and pulling out some key themes um, about prayer that we can learn from. Today, we are looking at the topic uh, of thanksgiving using Paul's letter to the Philippians. So the letter to the Philippians uh, is uh, the, the church that was established in Philippi, established by Christ through Paul. Uh, the story of this is in Acts. Uh, is that one where Paul was going to try and go into Turkey, but he felt the Spirit of God say not to go there. And instead, he saw in a dream a Macedonian man say, come and help us. And then he goes to Macedonia, and Philippi is the first church he plants. Uh, Philippi was, was, was basically a colony of retired Roman soldiers, and um, at the point that Paul had written this letter to them, Paul was in prison in Rome, and uh, the church of Philippi had heard that Paul was there, they'd raised some money, they'd sent it to him with one of their brothers called Epaphroditus, and Paul is sending back Epaphroditus with this letter of thanks, there's quite a lot of thanks in it. Um, And the context uh, for this letter is that the Philippians are facing opposition, and so Paul is telling them how to respond to hardship with joy, which is definitely something else that we could have titled this preach, how to respond to hardship with joy. Our key verses uh, are in chapter 4, and they're going to be on screen, uh, and it is, it is this. Rejoice in the Lord always, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'll do that again, because fast speaking. Rejoice in the Lord always, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's just pray. God, we, um, we can say uh, with thanks that we know that you are here with us this morning, and um, I believe that you've got stuff to teach us uh, on the topic of thanksgiving and for fruit to be born in our life through this. So I just pray for open hearts, open ears, uh, and, and we expectantly uh, await for you to change us this morning. Amen. Okay, so Thanksgiving. I thought a while, you'll be pleased to know about this preach, uh, about how I was going to structure it. And uh, what I've decided I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about it in kind of like, well, I structured it as like a sales pitch. Um, And the reason I've done this, it's almost kind of like another way you could word this, I guess, would be uh, a a sales pitch uh, in in support of Thanksgiving, is is I think, uh, on face level, Thanksgiving is quite a hard topic to listen to. I think the reality is it feels quite unglamorous. Um, it sometimes can feel quite difficult. We're going to talk more about the issues behind that. 
uh, later. So I'm going to do it as a sales pitch. Um, I was a street fundraiser in a previous life. That's actually where Joe and I met doing street fundraising. So I'm used to doing that sales pitching thing. I'm also used to seeing people switch off or try and avoid me. So if you do that, I'll notice that. I won't necessarily do anything about it, but um, we'll just both know um, that I know. Um, and the way that they do sales pitches is, is what you do is you present the problem. So this is the problem that you, the audience uh, in this instance, have. Then we talk about the plan, what we're going to do about it, and then we're going to talk about success, why that plan is going to succeed. So problem, plan, success. And problem, you might think when I preach about Thanksgiving, the problem that I'd be talking about is, is Thanksgiving. But ultimately, I don't think that that is the problem that Thanksgiving addresses. So the problem is, and we do have a problem, God first, Chapman, the problem is, is that many of us struggle with anxiety. And many of us struggle with pride. Probably all of us, to some degree, struggle with pride. And many of us struggle with uh, sin, in general, or feeling defeated, um, or feeling oppressed. And that is the problem that I think Thanksgiving is looking to, to, to come against today. So if any of those things resonate with you, buckle in and I'm going to sell you Thanksgiving for free. Because uh, a key part of the plan, so that's the problem, the, the problem is, is wide and it's actually quite deep and it's actually quite important. Key part of the plan in the Bible is Thanksgiving. Now we're using Philippians as this call to prayer, but we could have got it from any number of letters that Paul writes. So in Colossians, he says, uh, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him uh, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So just as you were taught, be abounding in thanksgiving. Or to the Thessalonians, this is a good one that we'll touch back on a bit later. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you know that the will of God for your life is for you to be giving thanks in all circumstances? In fact, in the New Testament, there's about 50 times or so that we are encouraged, endorsed to give thanksgiving, to in, in embrace thanksgiving, and it's a similar number in the Old Testament. In fact, one of, uh, one of the duty of the priests in the Old Testament, and obviously in the New Testament post-Jesus, which is, which is where we happily sit, we are all the priesthood, one of the duty of the priests in the Old Testament was to stand every morning giving thanks and praising the Lord. If you, don't, uh, if you don't believe that the word of the Bible is enough regarding thanksgiving, take the word of, of the preacher John Wesley, that's normally where I go, who says, thanksgiving is inseparable from true prayer, is almost essentially connected with it. So the Bible encourages us time and time again to get involved with thanksgiving, but the reason why it calls us to thanksgiving is a thing that I really want to pick up on in a bit. So thanksgiving is part of the, part of the plan for this problem that we have with anxiety, with sin, with feeling defeated, uh, with feeling oppressed, but there is a problem with the plan, which is why I think that Thanksgiving is quite difficult. I've thought about this for a while, and I think that, I think that Thanksgiving is actually quite broken. It's, you know, like, I, I do this quite a lot. Like, it's that thing where, like, I just sometimes, like, sit about something and think about it for, like, a period of weeks, and then, like, suddenly I come up with a theory, like, it's scientific. Like, I do it with kids' TV programmes all the time. Like, if anyone's kids watch Paw Patrol, like, they just, for, for Paw, they just don't need to be dogs. It makes absolutely no sense. And also, <laughs> this week, like, it literally changes the story, not at all. And this weekend as well, I think that Sainsbury's generally have got a better Christmas advert game than, than John Lewis, which is a controversial one, I know, but I have thought about it, so chat to me afterwards. <laughs> Similar and slightly more relevant, I think that, there is, uh, that, that, that Thanksgiving is broken. Actually, there are a number of reasons why I think that, but I'm going to talk about a couple. Uh, one of them is I think that Thanksgiving is broken culturally, so I think Thanksgiving in our society is quite broken, and, and this affects us quite deeply. Uh, so May last year, 2018, the Royal Society of Open Science published a study uh, on universals and cultural diversity uh, in the expression of gratitude. And what they did is they looked at different people groups um, and they worked out which languages which people tended to say thanks the most. And it should come as no surprise 
uh, to you that Brits came out on top of that. So like the, the newspaper article were like, scientific uh, research confirms that Brits say thanks more than any other people. It's kind of like the same thing as apologies, isn't it? We apparently say thanks 14.5% of the time, which I think means in every, any situation where one possibly could give thanks in one language, we will do it 14.5% of the time. Um, I was delighted to read as well that the Polish only do it 2% of the time. <laughs> Joe, my wife, is Polish. Uh, she does say thanks a lot more than 2% of the time, but then she's got quite a lot to be thankful for. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also now dual national British as well, so I think that's up to her stats. <laughs> but we might say thank you more, but what it, doesn't, what it doesn't mean is that we are more grateful as a people as well, and this is what the scientists were, were keen to pick up on. So one of, the, one of the scientists involved with the study, social scientists involved in this study, uh, went on to say, if thank you as a phraseology is used, or variants thereof, is used at different rates in different cultures. It probably means different things to those cultures. And in Britain, if you think about it, I think that's quite true. In Britain, thank you can mean I'm asking you to take the next term in this interaction. So if you go to a shop and you get to the front of the till and you put your stuff down and you say thank you, and they say thank you. And then they, they beep things and keep handing them to say thank you, thank you. And then they ask for your, for your credit card, you put it in, thank you, thank you. And then you thank each other again on leaving. And you probably also grease that conversation with a few apologies uh, along the way as well. <laughs> And there's a degree to which that thank you is transactional for us. Thanksgiving is transactional for us. It's kind of like a payment of sort for transactions rendered. So I'm teaching my kids, they're three and one, one and a half, to say please and thank you. It's easier to get them to say please because they don't get a yogurt until they say please than it is to get them to say thank you when they've already got the yogurt and there's no obvious uh, reward for them at the end of it. And if you think that that's a bit of a cynical take on Thanksgiving but it's kind of like a payment in sort for transactions rendered... Uh, then just look at my face for next time I hold the door open for someone at work or in church, try it today, uh, for them to walk through and they don't say thank you. There's this degree to which that there's an expectation that thank you is a response for something that you paid for. And I'm thinking about this a lot because as I'm teaching my kids to you know, not forget their P's and Q's, am I teaching them gratitude or am I teaching them my British foibles? And I flipping struggle with British foibles. Like, they did that Twitter campaign a while ago about like, British things, where it's like, you know, you can't go to a pub and ask to test a pint without them buying that pint. Like, that is me to a T. So like, I really do feel the crunch of these British things. But I think it's seeped its way into Thanksgiving. John Bloom, who's uh, a, an American Bible teacher, said, we've learned to say thank you without feeling thankful and to think it's okay. It's not okay. Thankless gratitude is like affectionless love. It's like joyless happiness. It's not okay. It's not the real thing. And as long as we practice it, we're missing out on the joy God intends to give us through thanksgiving. And I think, I think because thanksgiving is societally broken, which in some ways it's quite funny, but I, I think it is. I think in our culture it's actually quite broken. It makes it quite boring as well. So it's quite difficult to engage with. Like I, uh, When I was training for a half marathon a few years ago, um, I, uh, I went on a long run on the Saturday, and I'd, you know, I'd think of different ways to pray throughout that run. And I'd be like, for two miles, I'm going to give praise to God. For two miles, I'm going to pray for my own issues, for just two miles. For two miles, I'm going to pray for other people's issues, just two miles. For two miles, I just go listen. And for two miles, I'm going to give thanks. And it was really difficult doing Thanksgiving for two miles, particularly at my pace. It was, it was kind of like, you know, God, where do I start? God, there's so much to thank you for. You know, I thank you. Oh, I thank you for my house. I thank you for my house. There's a, a roof over our head. And I thank you for our bedroom where we can sleep. And I thank you for the, for the spare bedroom. And I, you know, thank you for the bed in the bedroom. And the duvet on the bedroom and uh, the pillows on the bed and those pillows that go underneath those pillows. It feels, you know, if, when we have this broken relationship with Thanksgiving, it just feels like quite lifeless and quite dull. So it makes Thanksgiving in any context feel a bit lame. But when it comes to this spiritual discipline of Thanksgiving, 
there are ramifications for us. So societally broken, although maybe that's just me being the, the most British of Brits. Uh, but I think the heart of it is also broken as well, and I kind of just touched on it then, when it comes to this spiritual element of thanksgiving, like we don't know what to thank for. And I um, was reflecting and preparing for this, like when do I feel most thankful? Well, inherently, like unavoidably, it's when stuff is going well in my life, and it's kind of like, well, what do you, you know, what do I feel thankful? Like, well, you know, nothing like in particular. I just feel like generally more thankful. Like, we've uh, we've been quite tight on money for a while, like two two periods of maternity leave in three years. Both got our kids in, in childcare, and we just got given uh, a financial gift, which is great. And I just feel like, loosely speaking, like more thankful, like in a kind of like vague way. And um, you know, there's, it's great. I mean, I should be thankful about that gift. Uh, but when I've reflected on that more, why do I feel grateful? It's because I have less anxiety at that period of time. It feels like there's one less thing for me to worry about. So generally speaking, I'm more thankful. And if you double-click that, really that reveals that I trust my circumstances more than I trust God. Like my, my thankfulness, my gratitude, where I feel, is affected quite deeply by my circumstances. American pastor D.A. Carson says, uh, if a large percentage of our thanksgiving is for material prosperities, it is because we rate material prosperities proportionately. And I think I do that. I think I do rate material prosperities quite high, proportionately speaking. So thankfulness feels broken, and that's before we touch on issues like, you know, do we pray enough? Um, and I think, you know, I, I reflected on my, my walk with, with spiritual thankfulness, and I think there are times where I feel, you know, spiritually like born on the wings of an eagle uh, with the grace of God, and we are actually going to talk about that more uh, in, in a bit, and I feel thankful in that way. But I think there are a lot of times where the reality is my relationship with thanksgiving is I find it quite dull, and I don't really know how to take it forward. So it just kind of like sits there on a step. I know it's on the list of things that I'm meant to be as a Christian, almost, but I don't see like how I do it or like where the value is in doing that. Uh, but I was really challenged by this verse in Romans, Romans 1, uh, where Paul says he's talking about humanity's uh, falling, moving apart from God, but he personalises it by talking about people, and he says, although they, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. So here we've got people who know God, so it's not people who just don't know God, so they never have any existence to him. They know God, they're in relationship with him, and they end up in a place of futile thinking, where their minds darkened, and the linking thing here is that they didn't give glory to God or give thanks to him. So there's something quite important for us to pick up on here. And I think that tends to be the case in the spiritual world. We tend to get, here are the reasons that are positive why we do it, and here are like the risks where we don't do it. So, Thanksgiving feels, can feel broken, so it is the plan, but there is, there is a problem with the, with, with the plan. Uh, but it is important because the Bible time and again calls us to thanksgiving. Why does the Bible time and again call us to thanksgiving? Because thanksgiving is a spiritual antidote. Thanksgiving is a spiritual antidote. <clears throat> Our text in Philippians ties it specifically to anxiety. You know, it's not like Paul giving like a list of things you should do as a Christian. You know, do, be thankful, do eat your greens, don't be anxious, don't, whatever it is. He ties these things specifically. He says, you know, in all things, render your supplications unto God, like tell God what it is you want, tell him what it is that you're praying for, but do it with thanksgiving. The um, uh, Bible theologian Matthew Henry takes that idea of us not being anxious about things a little bit further. He says it is the duty and interest of Christians to live without care. The antidote to anxiety is constant prayer. When anything burdens our spirits, we must ease our minds by prayer. Because I think that humanity's natural response to anxiety or to stressful situations is that you get anxious. Like if a stressful situation is happening, you worry about it because it feels like you're doing something about it. There's this natural tendency towards it. 
And I think as Christians, our natural response can be like, well, actually, I'm probably still going to worry about it, but I'm going to pray about it as well. God, here we're like, I'm so stressed out about this. Here are the four different ways that you can take me out of this. But ultimately, like, I still feel worried about it as well. But what Paul encourages us to do with thanksgiving is to get both those supplications into God, but also to remember who it is that we're thanking and to have, consequently, the peace that passes all understanding. Because thanksgiving takes a breath and recognises who is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Alpha and Omega. It is much harder to be anxious when your heart is thankful. And right, hold on here, because here's the bit where, you know, when I was thinking about what I was going to talk about, it was kind of like, it was always this kind of thing. But there's a degree to which I think this feels really hard to go from, like, your head to your heart. So, like, you know, I say, it is harder to be anxious while you feel thankful. And you say, like, yes, that sounds about right. But the thing is, you don't know the depth of the things that I'm worried about. You don't know how bad the situations are. Like, I can see maybe in some small situation, but it doesn't really matter. I'm getting stressed out about the fact that I just dropped something, that I can give thanks, my perspective can change, because actually that perspective is quite small. But actually, what happens when there's something really big? What happens when that perspective of anxiety is something that is massive, that is crushing? And for some people today, that is, that is going to be your truth. I know that there will be some people here today who you have got massive stuff going on in your lives and there's massive cause for anxiety there's massive stress which is leading to massive worry maybe there's even a massive cost for you to come today in which case absolutely god bless you for coming and i just pray that god will meet you where you are but actually there's a problem on the other side of that scale as well because maybe you don't feel thankful to god because you don't recognize your need to maybe like me you've just received a financial gift and loosely speaking you feel more thankful so you don't feel like you have a problem with thanksgiving or maybe when i listed those things at the beginning like anxiety or feeling oppressed or feeling defeated actually i feel pretty good at the moment and the point i'm trying to make here is that too often how we feel and how where our hearts are are tied so tightly to like where our circumstances are Because the reality is, like, your life is going to be difficult, okay? Like, as Christians, your life is still going to be difficult. Jesus promises that. He says that that we will face hardships, but that he has overcome the world. So our lives will continue to be difficult. But what he calls us to do is to be thankful in any situations. If we look back at that verse from Thessalonians, he says, uh, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God for your lives. It's interesting how when Paul describes what the will of God for our lives is, it's to give thanks no matter what the circumstances. You know, we talk about the will of God. You know, are you living in the will of God for your life? Well, yeah, I do actually at the moment because I've got this ministry and it's going really well or this, you know, I just moved into a house, it's really where I want to be. Or Actually, I don't feel like I'm in the will of God at the moment because I really want to do this kind of job, but I don't feel what, you know, like I don't feel like I'm doing the right job or whatever it is. But he said actually the will of God for your life is the circumstances that you are in. And he calls us to give thanks whatever those circumstances are, whether we're at the height or whether at the low. And we will hit both, even as Christians, through our walk. Paul doesn't point to how well our roles match our strengths or aspirations. He points to thankfulness. Having a thankful attitude, regardless of circumstances, helps us transcend circumstances with our moods and spirits. And guys, I flip in desperately want to be released from my mood and my spirit being tied to things that are going on in my life. And there's a degree to which, you know, stuff like mourning, stuff like concern, stuff like weeping and like, and all of that stuff is totally appropriate when difficult stuff is going on. But I, you know, I want my eyes to be on the Lord in the highs and in the lows. And I know that you guys do too. So, Thanksgiving is the antidote to anxiety, but also to the tumultuous nature of us being led by our circumstances. But it is the antidote, 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 antidote uh, to so much more as well. Part of the reason we get tied into this, like, how are our circumstances going, is then a reflection of, like, how we feel like we're doing, uh, is because, and particularly in a wealthy corner of the earth like ours, we are, like, super tied to covetousness. 
Covetousness is like the desire for more, like, yeah, I feel thankful for what I've got, but ultimately I just went on Facebook and that person's going abroad again, or I've just seen the house that person's buying and it looks so much better. <clears throat> Covetousness is essentially like a form of ingratitude because it's saying, I want more. And thankfulness can, with that too, be an antidote to coveting. Again, it's that case of the more thanks you give, the less you need to be coveting. And not just for sin of coveting, racing through them now, but an antidote to sin in general. The more thankfulness is present in us, the less vulnerable we are to sin, which is why the Bible talks so much about thanksgiving. It helps us overcome pride, because thanksgiving is essentially humility. Pride people don't say thanks. It helps us overcome ingratitude, which was at the heart of the fall, and whinging. American pastor John Piper says, evidently we are fair game for the devil when we don't abound in thanksgiving. And he gives this brilliant story about Thanksgiving, which, you know, I think, I, I, just, I guess what I hope for today is that people just get on board with spiritual Thanksgiving as, as being this thing that feels higher than, like, what we initially think about when we think about it. And he gives this story about, like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like we live in this city and the city walls are being besieged by this mighty military enemy. They've been against our walls for ages. There's absolutely no hope of getting through the siege. We've given up on that. And the enemy has started building siege works against the walls and they're starting to get to the top of the walls and they're starting to build underneath as well and there's pretty much nothing left to do. And there's one person in the city and an enemy breaks in through one of these tunnels and he just starts, for no particular reason, he just starts singing this particular song about enemy. And the enemy starts retreating from it. And then he's like, what was that about? And the enemy comes back and he sings that song again and the enemy retreats again. And then he tells his neighbour, his neighbour starts singing that song and the enemy retreats from his hole, from his hole and from his hole. And then they start singing it to the city walls and the enemies come back down from those city walls. And then they get on the city walls and start singing it to the enemy around them and the enemy in retreat. They come out of the gate and they chase the enemy away, singing them down. And if, you know, if you're in the city at the time and you've been, there's a song that can get rid of the enemy. You're like, are you crazy? Like, I'm busy, like, developing, like, a new weapon to do this. But no, like, evidentially this is working. You would learn that song. Ah, oh, but I don't have a very good singing voice. You would learn that song. You would learn that song. And there's a degree to which that Thanksgiving is like that as well. It's incredible. Like, you know, we think of it, we tend to think of it as just on the list of the, the do's that you're meant to do as a Christian, but, like, no obvious reason why. Almost like writing a thank you letter after Christmas presents or something like that. But there is power in thanksgiving for your life. There is power in thanksgiving to be part of the plan for to defeat problems in your life, such as anxiety, such as feeling defeated, such as oppression. And if you're sceptical of all the above, uh, the above, and I have to admit there was a degree to which I first was when I was thinking about this. One, go away and read your Bibles. Don't take my word for it that the Bible talks about thanksgiving that much. So go away and read your Bibles and find out how much the Bible talks about thanksgiving. And two, find out how frequently it puts it in concert with something like anxiety rather than just as a list of things that you should be doing. Go away and do those things. And then three, I guess, answer me the question, what is your current strategy for anxiety in your life? What's the strategy for coveting in your life? Are you winning? So I hope that you recognise that the problem isn't just that Thanksgiving is difficult and hard, but actually the problem that Thanksgiving comes against is this deep spiritual issue within us and anxiety and facing these difficult problems and having a perspective that doesn't recognise God on the throne. And I hope that you will at least check the word I've said to go away and check the Bible to see if what I've said is true about that as Thanksgiving part of being the plan. Uh, but now we're going to go on to why uh, and how it is going to be successful in our lives. Because I think the biggest secret to getting this right is really knowing what to be thankful for. You know, I think back to all the times that, like, I have, uh, I guess to turn on its head, like, I've prayed specifically something for a year. I prayed, God, get me this job, or God, get me this house. And, you know, it's, it's been consuming in my prayer life. And then I get it, 
and then you think that that would be enough to like hold you up in terms of Thanksgiving or not uh, for a while longer. So like, oh, I finally get a house. Thank you, God, for the house. It just keeps me so full of Thanksgiving. But actually, at some point, the house becomes the thing that I'm stressed about in the first instance as well. We've got to find the thing that is the eternal wellspring of thankfulness. And if there's one thing that you need to take away from this preach on Thanksgiving, you can switch off after this, uh, is the gist of this quote from, from Charles Spurgeon, who said, If I have nothing else to rejoice in, I will bless him that ever these words were possible. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that ever it could be within the compass of fact that such a thing should be true, that we should be standing here to hear it, and that our lips should be privileged to speak it, I will offer to him the sacrifice of thanksgiving. If you have nothing else to rejoice in, bless God that these words were possible. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Ah, oh, is that it? I knew that would be the, you know, the silver bullet we've got here. Guys, that is it. That is it. But there is power in it. One of the things I love, hate, uh, about preparing a preach is it makes me realise what a massive sinner I am, uh, rather than just like an average sinner like I feel most days. But I'm a sinner who has been saved and who had much to be forgiven for and therefore much to be thankful for. That's, the, that's what Jesus said, right? He said, for him who has much to be forgiven, there is much to be thankful. And we need to get ourselves into that attitude. You know, oh, I was saved a long time ago. Does that mean I've stopped being a sinner? No. Does he keep forgiving me for it? Yes. Do I therefore have much to be thankful for what I do? The thanksgiving the Bible calls us to in order to guard our hearts against sin and to give us inherent peace that passes all understanding is that which lasts. It's a gratitude that at its essence, gets what it means to be created, to be finite, to be fallen, but then to be redeemed and sustained by the God of all grace. Do you have anything that compares to that God first? And you, I know the answer, you don't. There's no circumstances in life which can be a continual wellspring of joy like there is the grace of God. And are you, you know, does this feel, yeah, I, again, it's hard to disagree with that, but I'm not like really feeling it in my heart. Do you feel anxious ever? Maybe you feel anxious now. Do you feel defeated ever? What's your strategy for it? Because part of the Bible's is thanksgiving. Do you struggle with thanksgiving? Do you have anything else that has the potential to time and again bring you to your knees? You won't have. The prophet Isaiah foretold it when he said, in that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry, your anger turned away. If you don't know the story, that's what the story is. Okay, We moved away from God through our own willfulness, through our covetousness, which still exists in us now, and Jesus was sent, fully God and fully man, the Son of God, to live the life that we could never live, to take all of our sin upon himself and to die the death of a criminal on a cross so that we might have an eternity of paradise and that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Do you rejoice in that story? If you know that story already and you don't feel like you rejoice in it, do you ask God, forgive me, and relight the fire underneath it in my life again? Because that is the silver bullet to this, guys. If I have nothing else to rejoice in, I will bless him that ever these words were possible. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's you and me, guys. That's the thing to take away. But I'm going to tell you quickly some practical things that might help you with this if, like me, you're willing to take a step in obedience on this journey of thanksgiving and recognise that it's just like not, not, not just a nice-to-have, but actually central to the Bible's plan for our lives. Firstly, is a discipline. I actually love spiritual disciplines, uh, but they're not easy, right? Um, if we're bad at Thanksgiving, maybe it's for the reasons I mentioned earlier, maybe for some others, but we need to learn it like we would learn anything else. If you struggle with Thanksgiving, get on board and learn it. If, if you've been with us for this year, we'll be doing a, the Bible study together, five by five. Sometimes it's easier 
and sometimes it's harder, right? But when it's harder, the answer isn't not to do it. The answer is to change whatever it is in your heart that is making it harder to do and get on board with it. Let's change whatever it is in our hearts and get on board with the dis uh, discipline of this. Don't be too vague. There's a, a, an American called Anvos Camp who talks about um, the issues of, of the vagueness of thankfulness. And I kind of touched on that earlier. Because some, when, 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 you know, okay, so sometimes she says, but we might feel like our theology is one of thankfulness. But if we're quite vague about it, and it's just like this loosely speaking, like, do you feel, are you a thankful person? Yeah, because like I'm saved by grace. What are you thankful for? Like, all of it? Like, just like in an ephemeral kind of way. We need to put specifics on it, because the reality is, if we have this vague notion of thankfulness, then actually we'll find that in our lives we're still frustrated, stressed, angry in certain situations. We need to get on board with the specifics of thankfulness. Have an eternal perspective. This is part of helping us to transcend circumstances in our lives. I've had times this year where I felt good, and for the first time in ages in my life, I've had times where I feel like I'm not enjoying my life. But you know what has remained true, no matter whether I feel good or bad, is that Jesus has come and has saved me, and that he is going to come again, the king of the earth, in judgment on the earth. He's going to divide the sheep from the goats, and those of us who have accepted him as their saviour are going to get uh, to spend an eternity with him in paradise. This is really hard to put into practice. For this eternal perspective, it's really hard to put into practice when you face a specific anxiety in your life. But be challenged, as I would, by this, this quote from Dear Carson, who said, The prospect of the Lord's return in glory, the anticipation of the wrap-up of the universe as we know it, the confidence that there will be a final and irrevocable division between the just and the unjust, these have become merely creedal points for us instead of ultimate realities that even now are life-transforming. If the fact that ultimately Jesus is going to come back in judgment on this world, read about it in Revelation if you want to find out the details, he's physically going to come back again and he is going to judge this world and we're going to either be with him for an eternity in paradise or for those who haven't accepted him, there's an eternity apart for him. That is massive. If the fact of that isn't impacting us on a day-to-day -day basis, it doesn't make it any less true. We need to have an eternal perspective when we think about Thanksgiving because it genuinely changes our perspective. Use scripture for the basis of your prayer for thanksgiving. If you're struggling, if you're thinking, God, do I have to pray? Pray thanks for every DVD in my collection. Use scripture. Psalm 100 is called a psalm for giving thanks. Use that as your guide. Like, go to scripture. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What is your strategy for entering his gates for getting close to him? Use scripture for help with thanksgiving. Give thanks for people. Paul does this all the time in Philippians. At the start of the letter we're talking about, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. This builds love for one another. Are you here and you're married? Is your spouse a Christian? Thank God. Are your children Christian? Thank God. Is there a friend here who has brought you on in your faith? Thank God for their faith. When was the last time we did that? You know, when was the last time in the coffee you said to someone, I thank God for you and didn't put a joke on it like I always do. It's like take the edge of it. Thank, I thank God for your faith. I thank God for you. And whilst we're at it, give thanks for wider church news. I find it all too easy to hear news from other churches and think that's good for them, but I wish it was happening for us. No, one God, one body, one church. Give thanks for that as well. This is why it's so good to go to things like the Advanced Conference, which is the network of churches we're a part of. And here's a little secret, because I'm a massive legalist at heart. I used to go to those things like out of a sense of responsibility, but the reality is I feel so uplifted when I hear what God is doing in his church, because his church is wider than this body of people, and it is good to be reminded of that. Use it as a reminder to pray. This is what I've been doing. I've tested it 
because I thought I probably should for this preach, and I can tell you that it works. Use it as a reminder to pray. Even this weekend, I've got a stressful situation at work coming into this weekend. God, I thank you that you are on the throne. I thank you that you are in me. I thank you that you created all the people in this situation. I thank you that I'm able to pray about it and that you're able to talk to me about it. Now, here are my supplications in this issue, and I already feel the peace of God come upon me as I do it. Use it as a reminder to pray, and I'm praying for something that I probably wouldn't have been praying for if I hadn't, if I hadn't been thanking God for it. Remember, and this is the most important one, remember that you are a sinner saved by grace. You know, some, sometimes when we talk about like the gospel at the end of like a preacher, like, do I wish like I had another silver bullet to give you so that it could hit home in a different way? Like, sometimes, like, I guess I feel like that, but the reality is the gospel is everything. Like, the gospel is the power of God for this situation in our lives. I think about the words... Uh, of, uh, of amazing grace. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe? It's not just for the hour we first believe, guys. We can have that again and again. We can ask God again and again for that. And we must as well. If I have nothing else to rejoice in, I will bless him that ever these words were possible. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. <laughs> For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.